This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. Good evening, faithful listeners. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 every Thursday night between 8 and 9. Uh, If you want to get in on our conversations tonight, don't forget to send us a text on 0427 Joy 949 or send an email to onair at joy.org.au. So tonight we are so lucky to have not only one but two holy days to celebrate with you Uh, and I'll do my little intro because we still haven't got a song but we've been told by Chris and Cam that we should be recording one of those sometime soon Uh, maybe by someone who sings a little better than me but here we go holy day of the week okay so that brings us to our first holy day back into serious mode Uh, so the first holy day that we can celebrate together tonight is the Sikh festival Mahi which is celebrated on the 13th of January it is a commemorative festival for the sacrifice of the 40 Sikhs for the Guru Gobind Singh Ji Uh, Mahi is the first day of the month of Ma and the eve of Mahi is the common Indian festival of Lori and Lori is celebrated with bonfires being lit in Hindu homes to celebrate the birth of sons in the family. Uh, So for Sikhs, the primary festival is held in Maktsar and that's a district town near the Punjab uh, and as I mentioned, it, it commemorates the heroic fight of the 40 liberated ones uh, who gave their lives uh, warding off an attack. Um, so Sikhs are known to uh, observe the anniversaries of happy and tragic events alike. So this is, this is a more tragic event uh, that they commemorate. Uh, and how they do this is they have big fairs and... Pilgrims take a holy dip in sacred water and they also go and visit shrines. And then they have a big mahala, which is a march, uh, and it usually wraps up the festival that goes for about three days. So that means we are currently smack bang in the middle of their festivities now. Uh, So we wish all of our Sikh friends out there a very commemorative mahi. Uh, So, as I mentioned, we have... Not just one, but two holy days. So you have the absolute pleasure of now hearing me again talk about our second holy day. Are you going to sing the, the theme song again? Oh, do you want me to sing it again? Oh, absolutely. Do, it, do I make it a little bit different? Yeah, please. Um, let's go for like, holy day. You're versatile. Yeah. Just, yeah. I don't, I don't know what that was, but that you was could record a like few. blues or something. Improv. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll just do like... 
me singing ten different ways of saying holy day. All right, you're on. That we'll do like an it. Idea. All right, we'll get someone to record that. So, uh, our second holy day, other than Midsummer being on this Sunday, it's also World Religion Day. So, held every year on the third Sunday of January, World Religion Day was started by the National Spiritual Assembly of the Baha'is in the USA as a way to encourage interfaith understandings. Uh, and personally, I love this holy day, and I wish that there was uh, more known about this event. Uh, the world doesn't have enough interfaith events, so I'd uh, personally like to see this this day grow uh, throughout all religions and become an integral part of every religious calendar and not just the Baha'i religious calendar. And I do understand that I'm not pronouncing Baha'i the absolute correct way, um, but I do tend to stumble over it when I do. So I'm going for the the uh, cheater's pronunciation. Um, so anyway, back to the fun facts. Uh, the purpose of World Religion Day is to encourage people to talk and listen to people of other faiths different to their own. Uh, it's not an official holiday, so World Religion Day won't close your place of business and it won't give you a day off work in any country. Sorry, guys. You have to still go to work and you still have to participate like a normal human being. But if you haven't listened to any of our previous shows about the Baha'i faith, uh, it was formed around the 19th century in Persia and follows three core principles, the unity of God, religion and humankind. So they believe that there is one single God and the spirituality of all religions in the world stem from a single God. They also believe all humans are born equal and have the same rights and duties irrespectively. So that hits a good spot with me. I like that. I really appreciate that. And I think uh, as people in the LGBTIQ community, we all kind of have to appreciate that, that we're, we are born equal. So that's nice. Um, the Baha'i governing body uh, published a letter titled To the World's Religious Leaders. Uh, it was published in 2002, I believe, uh, and they wrote it for World Religion Day. And I just have a little ex excerpt from this letter. It says that interfaith discourse if it is to contribute meaningfully to healing the ills that afflict a desperate humanity, must now address honestly the implications of the overarching truth that God is one and that beyond all diversity of cultural expression and human interpretation, religion is likewise one. And I think the more that I personally read and hear about Baha'i, the more I understand and the more I feel it's so relevant in this day and age especially um so i hope the conversations and bridging of gaps between religions can continue uh, continue um and i feel more than ever we're at a place in time where we need to start fighting together for an overall good rather than keeping on focusing on the bad because it's religion that does start a lot of the bad uh but don't take my word for it read up yourself um but i do think that interfaith is a way of the future that's right, you're on Joy 94.9 on the Spirit Lounge. And we have a special guest in the studio tonight, uh, Father Stuart Soley, the vicar of St. Mark's Anglican Church in Fitzroy. St. Mark's is once again holding a Midsummer Mass, which this year is on Friday the 5th of February at 7pm. I think I've got that right. 
all in one. Yes. Great. Oh, amazing. And followed by refreshments on the lawn, which is a great way to spend a summer evening, assuming that it's not another of these... 45 degree days hopefully not or a day like today that's oh, 17 degrees you never know what melbourne will bring but <laughs> i'm sure you in the middle but whatever you'll need is a drink yes. which is what we will have it's a very anglican way to way to go yeah that's right because it's alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> though we do encourage responsible consumption of alcohol but yes, there were. You may you well. Have to well, <laughs> well um, listeners, yes. that's just a joke. If you're, <laughs> it's, if it's, you're a Puritan and. Anglicans do have a reputation. Well, oh, we're finding out everything yes. tonight. We haven't oh, even got to the we questions. All right, so we started with the drinks, but we might get back to the actual um, topic at hand. So, um, what is a Midsummer Mass? Well, look, we, we call it Midsummer Mass because it takes place within the Midsummer Festival. And it has taken place since 2012 at St Mark's. And for many years before that, it used to be called the Dorothy Day Mass at, and it was held at St Agnes in Glen Huntley. Um, so I've been trying to choose some interesting uh, speakers at each or preachers at each of these since 2012 who might just illuminate us a bit about what the gay and lesbian story is and be uh, the gay, lesbian and Christian story. Yeah. Mm. Because, you know, there's a lot of people within the church who are very supportive of gay and lesbian people. You wouldn't know it from the leadership of the church, mm-hmm. by and large. Um, Pope Francis, his comments last year are probably the exception in mm-hmm. some ways to that. And some uh, Archbishop Welby of Canterbury is saying some good things too. So it's really just, it really is so important to affirm that it's okay to be Christian and and a gay or lesbian person. So that's why we do it. So the Dorothy Day, why was it previously called Dorothy Day Mass? Well, because it was uh, was an amalgam of things, of course. You see, the... um, it was the code. It was mm-hmm. the it was the code language for. I don't gay know people. if it's still if that uh, language is still used these days. It's well, something that I'm is, aware of. This yeah. was part of my argument for mm. saying we should say midsummer because that's plainly what it is. It takes place. We don't run away from the midsummer festival. We say we want to be part of that. Yeah. And midsummer have been tr- terrific in saying it's okay to use the term, uh, which is really generous. Yeah. Because mm. a lot of gay and lesbian people I meet are pretty hostile to the church. Mm-hmm. And it's usually because terrible things have been done to them. So we just try to model that there is something better and it does not have to be that way. So who's the who's the intended audience? Is it people within the Anglican Church or outside or um, Christians of all kinds? Christians of all kinds. Mind you, I wouldn't even say people of um, tentative or non-faith or... Other religious traditions shouldn't come. They may be mystified by some of the the, the, the liturgy, perhaps, or the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's no reason not to come along. It, it's about uh, it's all about solidarity. Mm-hmm. So what what happens? And fun, fun. Yes, yes. So what happens? What's what's what makes it fun? Yeah. What could I, if what? I was coming and I don't go and to an Anglican coming. church? What would I expect? What could I expect at your midsummer mass? You will. You can expect um, <laughs> glamour, song, and movement. Ooh, glamour is. Does that mean all the bells and smells? I've heard about Anglicans and their bells and smells. Yes, that's a common 
term used for some of it. And my church does that. Um, you could Rachel could go with her wonderful gold lame top. I think that yeah, would. I think so. I think that would I fit in. She'd be very good as an mm. altar server. <laughs> oh, really? Got, I love the hair too. Yeah, check it. Check out Facebook. Blue. Check out fa- uh, Facebook page uh, Spirit Lounge Joy Nine Four Nine. You can see Rachel in all her glory. blue, green, and gold glory. And and what I'll show up to the midsummer mass in. Come there on. you go. Yes, Apparently, exactly. it has to be oh, cold, so I can so I can wear. Well, I have other sequined items. Wear them. Although you won't <laughs> try not to outshine me. Okay. Oh no, no. Well, it's it's a joke. <laughs> it will be hard to outshine the celebrant, though. Claudine is a sweetie. <laughs> so, so it, it, look, you're saying about bells and smells and so forth. There's a, there's an element of a traditional sort of appearance at the service, and yet uh, our music director has been choosing some things which are uh, uplifting mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't think you'd be very happy if I said chirpy, but, you know... The, uh, positive. Positive, positive. Um, life-enhancing. And I've also invited Dr Muriel Porter to be the preacher. Mm-hmm. Now, Muriel is a, a former journalist and has been very active in the promotion of the place of women and gay and lesbian people in the the Anglican Church, for many decades, uh, sometimes to her cost because they all take fire at mm-hmm. somebody who is a prophetic voice. And I've asked her to come and talk about what might a prophetic leadership or some leadership in the hierarchy of the church could look like. Mm. So to take what might it be to have voices that say positive things to gay and lesbian people rather than the tepid and judgmental things that we often hear from leadership in the church. Awesome. And so what other things will you have during the service? So uh, you said you'll have some uplifting songs and it'll be glamorous do you, and the sermon. Uh, do you do, will you be doing like communion during yes, the that's service? Right. So, so, you know, Midsummer Mass is, it, it is taken, it takes place, well it is the, 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 the structure is the uh, mass or the Eucharist as many Christians mm-hmm. call it or Holy Communion all describe the same thing or another ah. aspect of the same liturgical form literally means the work of the people Yeah. so it's kind of saying this is what pe- Christians do when they gather together mm-hmm. they work it's like a work if you like it's one of, I mean it's one of the many well um you know, as, as some of us will know, there's there's quite a variety of different ways of worship uh, in among Christians, even within the Anglican Church. Yes, that's right. So I guess um, when we say things like um, bells and smells, or you know, describing St Mark's as Anglo-Catholic, that identifies it as a certain um, that what goes on inside the church, what how what people do is is a certain kind of style would you call it style or um there's a certain aesthetic quality which is say different from different from hillsong or different from the quakers or different from you know a greek orthodox church though there's there's things that that are in common so where where would you um i mean how would you kind of describe in in more detail sort of um why, why would um i mean 
there, there was a bit of a joke about you know, don't outshine, don't outshine the priest. But <laughs> um, now, having been to St. Mark's a few times, I know that it's it's part of the tradition that there is a lot of um, pretty things. I, I don't know if pretty things is the right word. But yeah, no, no, I, I know what you're getting at, and I, I, I shouldn't make such flippant comments. I do try to avoid the term bells and smells because mm. I think it kind ah. of reduces what it is all about. Mm-hmm. Now, in the Anglican Catholic tradition, I think there's a comfort in using all the senses. Yeah. So the bells, not just listening to human voices, uh-huh. music, which speaks at the deepest rhythms of the universe, um, sight, mm. so as you say, Claudine, pretty things. Uh, <laughs> but also I was, I was making a joke of it mm. in a sense because don't, we don't just dress up in rags, you know, mm. and say, oh, near enough's good enough. No, if it's for God, then it's going to have good quality about it. So I guess that's what I was, mm-hmm. um, in way of humour, um, yep. emphasising. So, and smell was the incense. And, of course, incense is an ancient custom of uh, a symbol of prayers mm-hmm. rising to God. Yeah, of, we were uh, talking about you know, frankincense last last week. Yeah. With the oh, right. yes. Good, good, good. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there's, there's that. And, you know, there's that whole purifying aspect of yeah. it. And there's a sense of reverence. Uh, so when people are, s- are sensed, the smoke, you kind of feel you're enveloped in this cloud of wonder. Yes. So it lifts us out of the mundane and the and the ordinary. So it's a full-body experience. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, it, it, it seeks to be so, yes. Yeah. And, I, you know, I see it in the faces of people. I find myself caught up in it. And it doesn't bear to think too much about it. You just allow yourself to be carried along by it. Of course, it doesn't suit everybody. That's why the places like Hillsong and so forth and Mm -hmm. Quakers are really important as well because they kind of reflect another aspect of what it means to worship God. Yeah, but Midsummer Mass would be a a great time for people like myself who has come from a quite Pentecostal background to come and check out the what I was told was bells and smells, but that's not a good way to think about it now. So now I've been educated and now I'm going to come and see it and I'll have a whole new enlightenment to the beauty of of Anglo-Catholic services. So if somebody hasn't been to one of... to a service like this before, how easy it is is it to find your way around? Well, I mean, there's always people around you who, mm. if they're nice people, will point help you find. If you nice lose people. your place, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it attracts nice people. The horrible people usually stay away. Um, uh, so there's a booklet. Assumes you can read, of course, but mm-hmm. it, it guides and explains mm-hmm. some of the the shape of the liturgy and is um and there'll be some music led by the choir as well as yes. music for the congregation to sing oh yes it's a combination and mm-hmm. and there'll be a, a nice crossover i was looking through the music the other day and um it it will surprise and delight Great. So we're speaking with Father Stuart Soley. Is it Father? Did I get that right? Yeah. Father Stuart Soley. Well, that's a formal title, as it were. Okay, formal title. Do you call me Stuart? Stuart uh, on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. So we're talking about the Midsummer Mass at St. Mark's. And, um, Stuart, you were talking about how there, 
this has been held at uh, Fitzroy for since 2012, but was going on before that. So how, what's what's uh, a bit of the history of um, Midsummer Mass or before that uh, the Dorothy Day Mass? Um, when did it begin and how did it how did it begin? It began at, uh, at St Agnes as we were in Glen Huntley, as we were saying before, and it was really just to have a, a time to be able to gather gay and lesbian Christians together uh, during midsummer and to have a good time. And so it began in the mid nineties. Began in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And were you were you part of that? Um, I, I went to quite a number commu- of them. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So did you decide to how, how did it uh how did it get to Fitzroy? Um it got to Fitzroy by uh, the sponsoring of it by uh, Changing Attitude Australia at the time mm-hmm. which is a group of Anglicans who it's worldwide thing which is to to affirm gay and lesbian people in the church. And that grew particularly in response to some of the crazy things that were being said in the early 2000s about gay and lesbian people, particularly of, of events in America, at the American Episcopal Church. Mm. And so have you, and how long have you been um, vicarious and Mark? Well, in July I will have been there five years. But, All right. But the mm. Midsummer Mass is just one part of mm. um, the way in which very many people in the Anglican Church and there are people in the Catholic Church as well who seek to reach out to gay and lesbian people and the Uniting Church. And my parish is has been a very safe place for gay and lesbian people to belong for at least the last 45 years. Oh, wow. And there's quite a lot who make up the congregation. And that's quite a that is a considerable blessing and in the 1980s and the 90s uh, one of my predecessors father tony noble did an extraordinary ministry of uh, caring for people with hiv aids at a time when there was a lot of ignorance and not lack of knowledge Mm -hmm. about um, the disease yeah and incurred some displeasure from the hierarchy for doing this, going and visiting them, and 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 of course there were so many guys who were dying. Mm. There were frequent uh, requiem masses yep. at St Mark's, and an annual um, AIDS requiem, mm. which f- hundreds of people would come to year after year. But of course, as as uh, treatment came along and the, the shape of the disease changed, uh, so numbers declined out of that, and and it had lived its day. And so I felt when I went to St Mark's there was a need to do something really positive. Mm. Um, what is the crying need for the church to do for gay and lesbian people? It's to say you're loved. Mm. Yeah. Well, we are loved. Yep. Let me put it in that term. Mm-hmm. That's So awesome. that's where it sort of came, you know, a bit of energy. Sorry, I got a bit excited there. <laughs> no. No. Well, that's exactly like the excitement. Yeah, that's, that's what it's – I mean, that's what it's about. It's saying this is – this is something that's important to us, and that well, we've we got to love who give we are, mm. and 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 you know, let's say God doesn't make mistakes. You know, we are made in the image of God mm. as gay and lesbian mm. people, and we have to battle sometimes to mm. be able to against those who say no, you're not, mm. and it requires a lot of learning and strength and courage, uh, and humour. Mm-hmm to hold on to that treasure which is in mm. each one of us. 
And would you say that because your church did go through everything with the, the AIDS epidemic and everything, it's made your church stronger? Or do you feel like when uh, a lot of men were passing away that it actually broke the church apart? Well, it, it was heart-wrenching yeah. because they were losing much-loved and valued members of the congregation. And there was one incident one of my parishioners tells me about a guy was laying on the floor between pews. I said, now, you're all right, darling, she said. He said, only at St Mark's could I do this. You know, yeah. so there was this freedom to be who people were yep. at the point that they were. Yeah. On the other hand, the parishioners will say, that's what gave the parish its soul. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, that's true, but it was already there because for over 100 years it's had a considerable outreach in for, to the poor and marginalised in Fitzroy, which, of course, in mm. parts was a really poor suburb. So it's had all sorts of uh, active outreach and uh, ways in which the needs of some of the poorest Victorians have been met. So it's really been um, really been tightly part of the community in Fitzroy, both um, through that that history of... of um, Sort of low, lowest uh, socioeconomic yep. classes, but also with um, growing with it as Fitzroy has become, you know, had more of a sort of creative influx. And it's, it seems, um, from a, as a, somebody who's slightly outside of Fitzroy, does um, St. Mark's does seem to be very much in tune with um, with its surroundings. Would you would you say that? Oh yes, I think it has, and it has been for for a long time. Um, I'd say over a hundred years, and but in different ways. And, and that's been through some charismatic leadership of, mm-hmm. of parish priests. Uh, but you can't do that unless there's some commitment of the people who are part of the parish. And so one of my predecessors in the 1920s and 30s used to say, oh, the church has prayer-soaked walls. Mm-hmm. I love that expression. Prayer-soaked walls. So you kind of feel it's warm and, and it is supportive. Now, that shouldn't just be St Mark's. That should be every damn church. Yep. You know, so yep. I kind of think... That's a great location for the churches to be, mm. and particularly in the culture now where, you know, people are laid off and nobody gives a stuff about mm. them. And, you know, there's people work too long. Mm-hmm. You know, I think all these things are just uh, uh, sapping life out of the society. Mm. So other than the Midsummer Mass and the Midsummer Festival, mm. do you... Uh, have much outreach into the LGBTI community, um, just actually like outreach. So other than the people who come in through your doors, do you actively go out and help LGBTI people in particular? Yes. I, look, I, I there are a lot of people who come to see me. I mean, no, you, you get a reputation. And they will come and see me and talk about things. I'm not particularly concerned about signing them up. Of course, I love full churches, but I'm more interested in their growth and their security yeah. as a person and, and to be able to take seriously the pleasures and the doubts of um, faith and belief and how that grows and phrase sometimes mm-hmm. and how you kind of try and put it back together. So I'm more interested in those things. So often people seek me out, but sometimes... I um, make myself present for, it's in a low-scale way, Yeah, uh, which I think is much safer when people are 
on the edge. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't have to go in and save them. You, see. <laughs> no. you know, kind of, those yeah. people are nauseating, aren't they? Yeah. Because they say, we know just what you need. <laughs> well, no, I don't think nobody, you do. No, yeah. nobody really knows. No. I mean, so ultimately. I think there's a, there's a sense of treading gently with people's mm-hmm. vulnerability. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Do you think that's a particular part of training for Anglican clergy? I'm just thinking of my story. The first person I told I was gay was an Anglican minister. And I'm just yeah. listening to you talk, I'm thinking very much about what Maureen was like and the way she ministered in her ministry. And I'm wondering whether it might be something about, I'm just throwing it out there, I don't mm. know the answer, whether it might be mm. an approach of the Anglican church perhaps. Yeah, look, I think... Look, one of the great Archbishops of Canterbury was Michael Ramsey um, in the 1960s and early 70s, and he wrote a book, The Christian Priest Today, and he talked about this is one of the great qualities of the Anglican priest is to be the pastor, you know, the the one whose heart is open only because that's the way Jesus Christ was as portrayed in the Gospels. Mm. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 and we've got Stuart Soley in, in the studio talking about the Midsummer Mass at St Mark's Fitzroy. Um, Stuart, I was wondering, you've, you've talked about um, your ministry in Fitzroy, um, but that's that's not your first parish. Where where have you been before that? And I guess how did you how did you get to Fitzroy or have you been... Um, I guess spill out your, your life story if you want. Where, you know what? Oh, we haven't got time. Where, no. <laughs> where have you? Um, how uh, did you I, become a priest? How to? Well, I, I I offered for ordination in the in my mid thirties, mostly because I was wrestling with the whole thing about being gay and being um, uh, having this sense that I was called to be a priest, and that's always been a tension. And I've sought to try and bring those together. And some of your correspondents who seek to dismiss. Uh, gay people or people who are gay who seek to take seriously the spiritual life Uh, some abusive things have come through Um, it's like saying oh we're the real gays because we're not get real we're all real gays Mm. the fact that we're not the same is is fantastic just like I wouldn't dismiss people who don't believe because they don't believe because often they ask the questions that Christians should ask. Mm. So I think, you know, mm. there's a bit of humility about our own selves towards others is really important because every gay story is worth listening to. Mm. And sometimes no, no gay story is more important than the other and we must not be victims. Mm. Yeah. None of us must be victims. You know, I really think that's so important. And I, I get passionate about yeah. that yeah so, i stand by the mm. the saying that i always say is it is so much harder for me to come out and say i'm a christian and i was brought up in a christian family than it is for me to say i'm gay and i came out when i was 16 mm. and you know what my dad who is a minister said god loves you and i love you and that's all that matters mm. and the words that came out of my dad's mouth are probably the wisest words mm. that a christian minister could say to his 16 year old daughter coming out yeah uh, and, and a lovely thing to say. Definitely. And that's all that matters, he said. Yep. That's really fantastic. Uh, and we all should be doing that to each other. Uh, so I, be- before going to St Mark's five years ago, I was uh, in the western suburbs in Sunshine and managed a merger of two parishes and built a new church and community centre, um, partly out of that belief that the church had to be a place that's sacred and 
takes mm. spiritual life seriously, but also does something for the community um, as well. And what were you doing before becoming a priest? Oh, should I mention this? I was a librarian. <gasps> I love librarians. Oh. I love libraries. <laughs> I love books. <laughs> The, don't excite, do the, the don't excitement do is overwhelming in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's, I don't know if there's so much shushing going on these days. No, no, it's a terrible a slur <laughs> against uh, librarians. Um, yeah, so I did that. And, and, and during that time I was um, discerning what I would do about my life and being a priest. Um, and I think that's why I cho- chose to be out in the church and mm-hmm. speak openly and seek to be real about the struggle. Um, because that's the only way I could live with myself and holding those two things in intention and completeness. And you were out during your ordination? Is that no? I was no? terrified. Okay. Thank <laughs> God I was not asked the question because I was oh. shit. Oh, I shouldn't say that on the air, should I? That's okay. It's that? after eight. <laughs> we'll bleep it. We can bleep. We can bleep it for well, the Well, I was web. really scared. But yeah. I didn't have the confidence in myself that I have now. And I, so I was very scared. So I was fortunate I wasn't asked the question. A lot of people were, and I have great admiration for them because they never ran away from their identity as a gay person. That's amazing. Of course, the church turned their back on mm-hmm. them, um, and they've done different things, which has been really good. Uh, so I have great admiration for them. Yeah. And I will never, I will always, and I write letters to the bishops at times to, to highlight these issues along with some of my colleagues. Uh, so... You know, we can't just dismiss mm. people because we're not quite sure what's going on or if anything's going on. So are you in contact with um, younger gay people who are in the ordination process or who are considering it? Do you... I mean, well, I do... Yes, I do have... Well, I'm not part of the education mm. process that... Yeah, that, but informally. Uh, informally, I, I do. And I, I think it's a hard road these mm. days to, to, to go through, mm-hmm. but... What we've got to do is keep focused on the gifts and qualities of gay and lesbian people because that's the first thing. Mm. The fact that we are gay is, is not secondary because it's a really most important thing. I can't, I couldn't, if I was, uh, the two things which are important to me is my identity as a gay person and my faith. Mm. And, well, there it is. You can't, un- I mean, you can't untangle them or... No, no, I've tried. It doesn't quite work. Yeah, so I'm going to put a challenge out there. I would love to see Joy members and Joy listeners, especially listeners of the Spirit Lounge, at the Midsummer Mass at at St. Mark's in Fitzroy. So can you give us one last little where is it, when is it, and what do we need to do to be there? Get there. (laughs) 7 p.m. Friday, 5 February. And it's uh, 250... Well, it's on the corner... St Mark's is on the corner of George Street and Moore Street in Fitzroy. It's on a hill. Yeah. And uh, the the spire, the steeple is floodlit at night. We floodlit it purple during 2014 for the um, AIDS conference. Uh, And as a mark of apology to the gay and lesbian community and those Mm -hmm. with HIV AIDS uh, for the stigma that had been... uh, perpetrated against them by good, well-meaning Christians. I'm using that with a grimace. (laughs) Yes. And do you start on time? (laughs) Coming from a Jewish community, do you start on time? It's very important to know these things. Indeed we do. The bell will ring. 
The Ooh, bell will toll. 7 p.m. No, no, not toll. No one's dying. Well, don't die. <laughs> <laughs> no one's supposed to die. No, we'll do a nice funeral if, you, if it happens, but, you know. A joyful, a joyful peel. Excellent. So 7... 7, 7 p.m. PM on, on the 5th, 5th of February, of February at St. Mark's Fitzroy, and you can Google that and it will give you the address and a little map as well. Well, thank you, faithful listeners. We have come to the end of our show tonight. I'd like to thank Father Stuart from St. Mark's for joining us in the studio tonight and talking about Midsummer Mass, which is in a couple of weeks on the 5th of February. Um, so we look forward to that, and thank you very much for coming in, Stuart. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed being with you, and good on you and working as you seek to make give affirmation of these things. Thank you. Thank you, and good on and you. And it's been really lovely to hear about the great work that's been happening out at St Mark's yeah. and also about the Midsummer Mass, which is coming up. So, And um, there's, there's drinks and refreshments afterwards. That's Sandwich- right. Sandwiches? Sandwiches, yes. Dr- look, f- food after a, a service is very important in the world that I come from. That's all from us from the Spirit Lounge tonight. Thank you to Claudine. Good night. Thank you. And thank you to Rachel in her lovely gold tonight. Oh, thank you, Mark, and good night. Very good. And following us, we have the Bears in the Woods, um, which will be coming up in just a few moments. So thank you very much for faithful listeners for listening to us tonight. Thanks for listening to Another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.